Hey there, I'm Jacob Harmon from JMH Media. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. Welcome back to another episode of TrustCast. And today might be my favorite episode so far, or at least in anticipation of the guest, because I have Dave Jackson. He's a Hall of Fame podcaster. He has multiple podcasts that I listen to, and I'm just super excited to have you on the show, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, obviously, the big topic I want to discuss with you is podcasting and how we can build trust with podcasting. Uh, before we kind of dive into that, what has been your experience with podcasting and how did you get into the podcasting space? Oh man, my background, I'll try to do this quickly. My background's in teaching. I taught a lot of Microsoft Office and QuickBooks and customer service and time management back in the corporate world. I did that for decades. But as I was, and I, I'm not making this up, I used to teach people how to surf the internet because they didn't know what it was. And so I was building websites with like Microsoft front page and I'd gotten involved with internet marketing because I was a you know big nerd at the time. And a friend of mine came back from this big conference and he said, you know how you missed the MySpace boat, which again tells you how long ago this was. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah don't rub it in. He goes, I just came back from this conference. He goes, the next big thing is going to be podcasting. And I remember I Googled it and there was a page and a half. And I went, I think I broke the internet. Like, and I Googled it again. I'm like, well, that's weird. There's like, there's just nothing about this topic. And there are two things that happened. Number one, I uploaded this file. I, I just put together this, you know, all the back end of it. And I remember seeing my file come down. And that's when the light bulb, I was like, oh, I see what this does. And then I started a podcast for musicians. And within a month, I got a voicemail from a guy in Nuremberg, Germany. And I went, Wait, what? Because I'm in the middle of Cowtown, Ohio, and there's some guy on the other side of the planet that not only found my podcast, but liked it. And I just, at that point, I just grabbed my flag and stuck it in the ground. I'm like, I hereby do myself podcasting is the coolest thing ever <laughs> and uh, have been it ever since. The, f- the first years were horrible because nobody knew what it was and it was just a bunch of nerds doing it. But it's been fun to, to watch it grow and grow and grow. You know, that was back in 2005. So that's how I got involved. Man, I kind of wish I had a time machine and I could go back in time and start at that point because I'm starting now and podcasting isn't quite so new. And I feel like there's a little bit more friction of getting a show started and getting listeners because of that. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I kind of wish I could go back in time. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, that's why all the early shows were the tech shows, because you kind of had to be a geek just to get one up and going. 
and back then we were excited when Apple got uh, podcast into iTunes because you could you could plug a cable in, buy an iPod, and basically plug your iPod in, go take a shower, and come back, and your your podcast would be ready. But then you'd be out in your car, and you'd like, well, I've listened to all four episodes of you know every episode that's available, basically, and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll have to go home and sync again. So it's it's a whole lot easier now. So that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, and you mentioned that at that time your friend said it was the next big thing. I still think it's the next big thing. I think that, especially when you compare it to other things like blogs and YouTube and other types of content marketing, I feel like podcasting, for better or for worse, is still relatively new, and there's still a whole lot of people who haven't started listening to podcasts. So I feel like there's a lot of growth opportunity, too. Yeah, my favorite story about this was you'd mentioned I got inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame, and I it had been announced, and I told my family, and then I went to a family picnic. It was like, I think it was in July. It might have been July 4th, and I walk in, and my one cousin's like, oh, there's Mr. Hall of Fame, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he said, all right, I'm going to say it, and I go, what? And he goes, I know that I know you're all about podcast. He goes, what's a podcast? And I said, <laughs> I said, do you have a, a phone? He goes, yeah, I have an iPhone. I go, oh, good. I go, bring that over. I'll show you how to, to find one and subscribe. And literally all of my cousins were like, wait, hold on. I got to see this too. So there are a whole bunch of people that didn't want to admit, I have no idea what a podcast is, but that guy seems to really be into it. So I think we all need to, to me, when people go, what, what do we need in podcasting? I go, we need Google to make a commercial. And just say, Google, so cool that we have podcast now. And then here's how you search, subscribe, you know, that like just to, you know, what do we need? We need more listeners at this point. Yeah, we do. But at the same time, I feel like it's, it's growing organically very yeah. well. It used to be, I started podcasting about two years ago. So basically nothing compared to you. <laughs> but when I started, nobody, like you said, almost everyone I talked to, they're like, wait, a podcast? Like, what is that? And then within two years, which is nothing. I now never have to explain what a podcast is to people. They at least know what it is. They may not listen, but at least they know what one is, you know? Well, and we used to go crazy when be like, hey, Maytag is starting a podcast. Like, wow, that's cool. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, somebody on this TV show said the word podcast. And now every news station is like, hey, thanks for watching us tonight. Subscribe to our podcast in Apple. And everybody's just like, yeah, we all assume that we know what it is. And I'm like, so it's gone mainstream. So that's uh, we just need the mainstream to go. Wait, what? What did he say? I need to look this up. So, <laughs> right, right. Well, and you've talked a little bit about the potential of putting something out there and then somebody clear across the world realizing who you are and what you do and building trust with you, right? The the topic of this show. And that concept is just amazing to me. The fact that you can throw something out there into the universe and People will find it, you know, and that's really what draws me to podcasting. How is it that a podcast builds trust? It's a couple things. Uh, number one, I always tell people when you're when you're getting ready to launch, I said record a couple episodes. You're going to delete the first couple because they're just horrible. Because you know the first time you go to tie your shoe, it doesn't work either. So you do a yeah. couple as a practice. And I said, and then pay attention as you get close to one that you're going to keep. Because you want to say, okay, that took me X amount of hours to do that. Okay, now let's come up with a schedule that you can do on a consistent basis. So maybe that's two a month, maybe it's one a week, whatever it is. And I said, and then, you know, record a couple, have a, a, a couple in the can, as we call it. And then by scheduling, by having that, like for me, the School of Podcasting has been every Monday for 15 years. I have never, even when I got hit by a deer, 
and I got, I couldn't get home. I still had, luckily I had a microphone in my backpack and a laptop and I did the podcast from a, a hotel room, but I've never missed. And the reason for that is you become part of their routine. I have people email me and they're like, Dave, you're with me every Monday when I go to the feed store. And I'm like, all right, it's great. I love feed, you know. Um, so that's one way you earn trust, but just by always being there. So you, you become trustworthy that way. Then when you bring great content and you say, hey, if you try this, I did this and this is what happened. And I think if you do this, you're going to you're going to find you're going to like that, too. And so your audience goes, you know what? I've never thought of it that way. I'm going to try. And then they try and they go, it actually works. So now you've given them value. And they're like, that guy wasn't lying. You know, he, she's pretty good. So now you're consistent with your schedule. You're consistent with your, uh, your value in your content. And then the other thing it does is if you can just share a little bit about yourself. So I always tell people, if you can work some sort of story of your life into a point that you're making in your show, now they get to know a little bit about you. So like when Muhammad Ali died, when I was growing up, that guy was just champ forever. So as a little kid, I was a big Muhammad Ali fan. And then as I got older and I read about all the things he did with with civil rights and, and he's just so much more than a boxer. And you think about it, what a marketing guy. I mean, the guy had all of his, you know, sting like a butterfly and I'm the greatest of all time. He was completely unique. So I had all these lessons from Muhammad Ali. So I was still talking podcasting, but I was talking Muhammad Ali and I had so many people come out of the woodwork like, Hey, he was my champ too. And so then you're like, you start having that conversation and you're building that relationship with your audience outside of just, you know, microphones and bandwidth and that typical kind of discussion. So I think all those things kind of build trust. And then the other thing I did that I really didn't think was a big deal is I started putting my bloopers at the very end of my show. So if I had something where I just trip over my tongue or whatever, and I remember the first time I did that, I had a bunch of people that said, wow, I'm so glad you did that. And I was like, well, what's what's the big deal? And they're like, we thought you were perfect. And I'm like, oh, so, so far from it. <laughs> and so the fact that I was able to kind of be vulnerable and say, no, here, here are my warts. I'm not perfect either. That seems to be something that people really appreciate. Wow. Thank you so much. That was some great points. I think vulnerability, telling stories from your life or things that can connect you with people um, and being consistent. I think that especially that consistency piece for me, that's it, currently my podcast is relatively new. This one we just started. I think this is we're under 10 episodes still. But for me, consistency is huge because that is what shows when somebody can go and scroll back even if they're a brand new listener, but they can see, man, this guy's been producing content for 15 years or, or a year or a month or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. That's huge because that proves one, that you're a reliable person, that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it and that you're ready to show up, you know? Um, and I think in business specifically, those are attributes that you can put them on a resume and it doesn't mean much, but if you can have proof and a podcast feed for me is proof that you can produce something consistently over time. Yeah. And the consistency for me, it's, it's kind of weird because I obsess over the Monday thing, but I obsess even more over, am I going to deliver value? Cause I would rather have a show one day late or two days late that I go, wow, that was a great episode. Then give me something on time that I'm like, eh, it was all right. So, uh, and the other thing, if you do have to take a break, you can again boost your, cause you know, life happens. Uh, and I think my favorite example of this is Mike Rowe does a show. He's the guy from dirty jobs and it's called, that's the way I heard it. And he said, Hey, 
I've got an announcement to make. Uh, I'm going to take a little hiatus because I have good news. He goes, yeah, that's the way I heard it is going to be turned into a book. And I can't write the book and do the podcast and keep my sanity. And that's where you have to remember your audience likes you. And they don't, it's not like they're like, oh, I can't believe he's, you know, going to abandon me to go write a book. It's like, oh, good. I, I, more success for Mike. And then he said, but I will be back on this date. And sure enough, on that date, he came back and said, hey, I've got great news. The book is done. It'll be available on this date and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and I've got more good news. They're thinking of turning the podcast into a TV show. And he goes, and consequently, he goes, I'm not going to take a hiatus, but I am going to adjust my schedule. So I think as long as you keep your audience in the loop, it's when all of a sudden you just disappear for a month that they're like, wow, I hope something bad didn't happen to him. Or I hope she didn't get hit by a car or something like that. So I think as long as you keep your audience in the loop. And that's, again, when, if we're talking trust, that's the key to trust is communication. Yeah. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with that. And you talk about providing value and mm. I, I, this might be a difficult question. Like how do you quantify value and mm. how do we actually make sure we're creating value as a podcaster? The, for me, step number one of starting a podcast is why are you doing it? And step number two is who is this for? And for me, you, and I mean, don't guess, you have to know who this is for. So if you've ever done the secret Santa thing at, at work and you're like, okay, Dave, time to pick a name. And you pick your name and you're like, Harold in accounting. I don't even know. Is there a Harold in accounting? I don't, I've never heard of this guy. So what do you do? You have to go find somebody in accounting and go, Hey, what's Harold into? And they're like, Oh, he's a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. He loves the quarterback. And you're like, Oh, so you go out and you buy a jersey of the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback jersey. You give it to Harold, and Harold is like, oh, my gosh, who who's my secret Santa? And they're like, Dave. I'm like, I want that guy every year because you have to figure yeah. out who is your audience and what do they want. And that's really, I always say, spend $100 on a microphone and 100 hours getting to know who your audience is. I had a client that did a show. Uh, her son had special needs, and she loved Disney. So the podcast was called Special Mouse, and it was all about how to take people with special needs to amusement parks. And the people that found that was like, I thought I was the only person going through this. And she had this super tight-knit Facebook group. So I, I think it really boils down to knowing what your audience wants. And for me, the, the worst phrase I ever hear in podcasting, and I, I don't hear it as much as I used to, but I used to hear, well, it's Wednesday, and uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but, you know, I always told you I'd give you a show on Wednesday, and the minute I, I mean, I run to my phone, wherever it is, and hit stop, because that person is going to waste 45 minutes of my time. I, I went to uh, Second City once in Chicago. It's this famed improv group that uh, half of Saturday Night Live came from, and I went and watched it, and I'm here to tell you, those are professional improv people, and it was not good. I mean, there was some that were, like, hilarious. It was either really good or really bad, and I'm like, if people that do improv for a living can't do it 100%, what makes you think you're going to do it? So uh, it really does come down to who is your audience, and then what do they want, and then give it to them. Okay, and since you're talking a little bit about subpar content or content that necessarily isn't the best. What happens when you have one of those types of episodes? Would you rather just throw it out, try again, or do you do it for consistency sake and learn from the mistakes and keep going? I, I'm sure, look, not every one of my episodes is, is gold. I will be the first to admit that. And it's always interesting because you'll put some episodes out that you're like, you think, wow, this is, people are going to go nuts when they hear this. So you throw that out there and it's nothing but crickets. And then you have other ones you're like, 
I guess this is done enough. I mean, it's, yeah, okay. And you kind of put it out and hope people don't yell at you. And they're like, that's the best episode ever. So that's always kind of fun. I have done, I remember once I had a, a guy come on and my audience primarily doesn't do a lot in video. It's mainly audio podcasts. And he's a friend of mine. He's, he's really into video. And I told him, I said, we're going to talk about this and storytelling and blah, blah, blah. And we're not going to really get too much into cameras and lenses and stuff. And sure enough, you know, you pull this guy's string. He's a video guy. What's he start talking about? Lenses and F-stops. And I was just, in the whole time, I was like, all right, you can talk about it all you want. It's just never going to make it to my audience. So I always say you're, you're kind of the goalie. And your audience is the net behind you. And if somebody tries to kick a soccer ball past you, you just go, no, that's not getting my nope, nope, nope. And so I do a thing now. I get a lot of people uh, that approach me to be guests on my show. And I always think it's kind of funny because some of them are just horrible where it's like, I would like to come on your show about podcasting. And it's usually like an agency that's approaching me. And they're like, because our our expert is you know an expert mom. And I'm like, when have I ever talked about being a parent on my, it's not what my show's about. That's what, that's a bad topic, but I, that doesn't fit. So that's always kind of interesting, but I still get people that I'm like, huh, this could be a good fit. And what I've done is I always tell them, Hey, you know what? This sounds like it could be a good fit. Let's get together. We'll kind of do a quick pre-interview and then we'll, we'll do the actual interview. But I, I need to let you know that if for some reason I feel this isn't a good fit for my audience, I'm not going to publish the episode. And if you're cool with that, let's go ahead and move forward. And I've had one person that's like, well, if you're not going to publish it, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, okay, there you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, we have some lovely parting gifts for you. So I always want to leave that kind of door there, especially if it's somebody I don't know. Most of my guests, it's people I've either heard about or discovered or somebody just, again, we come back to trust. I had a friend of mine uh, last week who was talking about this guy from the Darknet Diaries. And I said, I've never heard of that. He goes, oh, he goes, you have to have Jack on your show. And I'm like, why? And he goes, he gets hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. I go, done, sold, you know, and, and <laughs> off I went to, to have him come on the show. So if it's somebody that I don't know, I want to kind of have that, you know, eject button that I can just say, hey, nothing personal, but this doesn't fit. Okay. And I know that I've had moments where I'll sit down for an interview and I don't know if it's the guest or if it's me, or maybe I just was having a bad day, but I'm just not necessarily doing well as a host that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, what do you do in those types of circumstances? Would you reschedule an interview or would you just do the best you can? Sorry, I'm yeah. trying to ask some kind of selfish questions here because I'm getting into this podcasting space. <laughs> no, I, I, what I do is. When I edit my audio, so I just did one last night. Uh, it was a really nice guy, and some of it I'll use, but I'm going to say the first 10 minutes I'm not because I really didn't want to get into his backstory. Sometimes you need the backstory because it makes you appreciate where they're at now, and then other times you just don't. Like, hey, this is an expert on blank. Let's talk about blank, not so much where he went to school or whatever. And I asked him a question that kind of was meant to steer him past his origin story or whatever. And he went right to his origin story and, and gave me every detail that I never, ever wanted. And I was like, okay. And in my head, I'm just, I'm cool. I'm like, all right, hey, thank you so much. And asked him another question. And again, he kind of just went. And and so part of that, I, I kind of take blame on me. I did explain to him who, I'm like, here's why you're on the show. Here's who you're talking to. Here are the topics we're going to cover. I usually don't give them the questions, but I'm, I, for me, I don't, 
I don't care if I give them the questions or not. I just want them to know where I'm going because otherwise, if I if they have no clue where they're going, we're back to improv. I'm going to throw you a subject and let's see you riff on it. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I kind of said, here's why you're here. Here's what we're going to talk about, uh, yada, yada, yada. And we just went into to this weird spot, and I was like, that's not really where I want to go. So that stuff I just cut out. Or if I have somebody who, uh, you know, if, if for some reason the last question I ask leads to this phenomenal, like, wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Holy cow. And in my head, I'm thinking, wow, this is 19 minutes into the interview. I will take that and put it at the front. For the record, you have to make sure you're not making people say things they didn't say. But I can take that question and answer. And if it doesn't mess up the interview and say, oh, let's let's put that here. And then the rest can, you know, go out where it is. And again, the things that don't deliver value, because I'll, I'll listen to the question, I'll listen to the answer, and then I stop it and go, does that deliver value to my audience? No. Okay, it's gone. All right, next question. Because some people will say, you know, um, if I go, hey, Jacob, uh, what time is it? And you go, oh, it purple. Purple is my favorite color. Okay, you gave me an answer, but you didn't, you didn't answer my question. And you'll run into this with people that have uh, either A, they are interviewed a ton, so they kind of have some default answers that they just pull, or they're trying to promote their book or something like that. But that's, And they're not trying to be – I don't think they're trying to be rude. They just have default answers that they've done forever. And you ask them a question, and either they didn't pay attention or whatever, but they just give you an answer. And in my head, I'm like – yeah, I, I've heard that before. Like I ask a question and I listen to the answer and I go, they, they didn't really answer the question I asked. They gave me an answer. So that's another thing. I will just go, all right, pull it out. And sometimes my interviews are 45 minutes long and sometimes they're, you know, 15, depending on what it is. Yeah. And it, going back to the idea of trust building too, I think that that is another way you can build trust because you're not wasting your audience's time. Right. I, if I think about it, I mean, a podcast is quite an investment, even though oftentimes I'm listening to a podcast while I do something else. My podcast feed is so long and it, there's times where I'll just delete a podcast because they're not providing enough value and I've wasted enough hours of my life listening to them, you know? And so I think it's a very competitive space because once somebody's really into podcasting, they'll download a lot of podcasts, but then they only have so much time to listen to podcasts, right? Oh, absolutely. And I always kind of, when people look at me and they go, oh, I just want to keep it real. And I'm like, I, when I hear that, I kind of go, I want to be real lazy is what it is. Cause there are our book editors, magazine editors, movie editors, TV editors, but my podcast, nope, don't need any. And I'm like, you know, Mount Rushmore used to be a bunch of rocks. And then somebody went in and did some editing and made it this giant sculpture. So, uh, and I know in podcasting, there's no shoulds. Like it's, it's free, man. Just do whatever you want. I'm like, all right. Just realize that. I mean, I've heard some really good interviews on Joe Rogan. And I've also heard many episodes that I'm like, wow, that, that was a three hour interview that could have been a phenomenal interview if it had been cut down to like, an hour. There were just times that it just, but you know, Joe Rogan's been doing this since 1980s when he started his career as a comedian. So he's got a big audience and he can handle doing that. But if it's just Dave in his spare bedroom, I don't know. And I see a lot of people do that. Like, well, Joe Rogan does it. And I'm like, yeah, Joe Rogan has an audience already. You're not Joe Rogan. <laughs> you're not Joe Rogan. And you're not uh, the four hour work week guy, Tim Ferriss. And like, you know, let's get a little reality in here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so since we're talking a little bit about editing and I love that analogy with Mount Rushmore, I, 
I might steal that one from you and I'm talking yeah. to people because I, I, I hear the same thing. Like, oh, we don't want to, we want to be authentic. We want to be real. Um, yeah. But I feel like there is a diminishing return on editing. Like how much is too much? Because I could sit there and edit my podcast episodes for six hours yeah. and I could do all this work. And then I'm not a very big show, so I don't have a whole lot of downloads. Like when is it? I, I believe that it's important to edit, but when is too much? You're just yeah. thinking at that point. Well, there's a couple of things. I, I always call it the the podcast seesaw. For I don't know if they still make seesaws, but there are these big boards that you would sit on, and 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 somebody would sit on one end and it would flip into the other one. And for me, on one end of the seesaw is planning. And on the other end of the seesaw is editing. So if I don't do any planning, I'm going to do a lot of editing. And if I do a ton of planning, I'm going to do less editing. So it's kind of a, a give and take of those two. I think the ones where – here's what I do. I, again, I, if it's an interview, I listen to the question, and I just I get to the end of that answer. Before I ask the next question, I, I look at that as a chunk and go, all right, does that bring value? And and then from there, if I have somebody that says something like, well, and and – and and we were thinking about this, and I'm like, okay, we just need one and. You know, I appreciate the four, but we just need one. So I'll take those out. And obvious things like, um, I think that's something I would edit out. So those I will take. But if I have somebody that goes, uh, I think that's something I would take out. I'm not going to go in there with a scalpel and try to figure out where the um ended. You know, so I just go for what I call the low-hanging fruit. And then from there... That's where I keep it real. I'm like, you know, people do say, um, people do say, you know, and for that I go, you know, that way. But if it's, there are people that do that to the point where it becomes annoying. I used to work with a a woman and she was a great teacher, but every time, and I mean, it was something I don't think she even noticed. Every time she stopped, the next word out of her mouth was, um, so she would be saying something and she'd be like, and that's how you do, you know, such and such equations. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about, and it, was, and it was one of those things that once you noticed it, you couldn't turn it off. So, yeah, I when I hear people, oh, I edited this hour-long you know, podcast for 17 hours, and I'm like, wait, hold on. What, what is it? What did you, did, how much planning did you do? You know, it's like, well, that's – we were just talking about everything. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe have a, an idea of why you brought somebody on or a, an idea of where you're going to go. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed since I started podcasting is I've started to notice all the weird ticks that I do. <laughs> and man, like it's so hard to get rid of those things. But since I'm recording the show and then I go back and I edit myself, I just have learned like this is all the horrible things that Jacob Harmon does when he talks. And I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> well, that's it. And some of them I know mine is, you know, and I say it so fast, you can't even hear it at times. I'll just be like, you know, I was doing this thing. And I like, wait, what was that? And it's like, that's me going, hey, you know, and I, you don't. And so for that kind of stuff, I don't worry about. It's just the obvious things. And, and like I say, if I, you know, if I ask a question, and I say, well, was there a time when you felt really scared doing that? And they go, no. And I'm like, well. Does that bring value to my audience? I'm like, well, it shows that he's I'm like, hmm. you know, and that's things like that. I'm like, nah, that doesn't really, we can get that out. Cause again, mm-hmm. if, if I have a thousand people listening to my podcast, Roman Mars said this, I'm going to steal it. Uh, if I have a thousand people listening to my podcast and I cut out a minute, I just saved a thousand minutes, which is however many hours of time in my audience. So I just know for me, the uh, if you watch Netflix and you're watching a series and it gets to the end and it says skip, if you ever notice, not only does it skip the end credits, it skips the beginning credits and goes right to the content of the next one. And if you actually watch Netflix now online, 
they have a speed up button. And I'm like, if we need more proof that people want to get to the good stuff, you know, exhibit a Netflix. <laughs> so since you mentioned skipping intros and in credits and things, mm-hmm. how do you feel about intros and podcasting? Obviously. So currently my podcast has a consistent intro. It's the same mm-hmm. intro every single time. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad oh, thing? Absolutely. Is that wasting time? Yeah. We think about our audience who is listening now, but right now we have more people who haven't listened than than have. And nobody gets on a bus without knowing where it's going. So for me, your podcast should explain what the podcast is about and then what the episode is about. And then for the love of God, get to the meat and potatoes. Um, You know, I don't really need to hear what the weather's like in Seattle. I don't live there, but I appreciate it. But, you know, that whole nine yards. And if you can do some sort of tease, you know, today on the show, I'm going to show you how you can increase your profits by, you know, 27% without spending any money. Intro. Welcome to the Dave Jackson Hour, where we blah, 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 blah. You know, here's your host, Dave Jackson. And I'm like, and if you can um, work in some sort of reason why I should listen to you, which is hard. I will say that for the record. It's weird to toot your own horn, but I have to somewhat put something out there as to why should I listen to this guy as opposed to any of the other 27 podcasts about podcasting. So I always start off and I'm like, I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast consultant, Dave Jackson. And it took me, I still, even when I do that now, there's a voice in my head that goes, ew, you know, and I'm like, "Eh," you know, it's like not that many people can say that. So I guess I'm going to say it. So, uh, and again, just trying to answer the question, well, why should I listen to this guy? In my case, I've tried to keep my intro to right around a minute because most Mm. podcast apps have a 30-second skip forward button. So I figure, hey, if you've been listening for a while, you know the intro's there, press that button twice, you know? And I don't know. I don't know if people do that or not, but I figure if I was listening, that's what I would do. Yeah, you can go into uh, podcasts with an S, podcastconnect.apple.com, and actually see how far people listen. And the first time I saw that, by the way, be careful what you wish for. There are times when you're like, wait, what? Uh, but I can see where there's like a minute, like it's the minute my podcast starts, it nosedives. And I was like, wait, what's going on? It dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute. Where does it come back up? I'm like, oh, about a minute in. I'm like, oh, it's people skipping. That's, that's, and I can see where I think my audience on Apple, like 90% of them are subscribed. And I'm like, oh, these are regular listeners. They're like, I don't really need to hear Dave do a spiel again. And so I was like, all right, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Very cool. So I'd like to kind of transition a little bit and talk, since this is a marketing and brand loyalty show, let's pretend we're a big corporation and we're thinking about doing a podcast for our brand. So it's not necessarily a personal brand. It's not a smaller show. It's not someone doing it in their basement. What benefits and what recommendations would you have to a larger corporation wanting to get into the podcasting space? In some cases, if you have those questions that your audience asks all the time, you know, if I'm a, a big real estate company, I could take, you know, how do I get my house appraised? I'm trying to think of things that I thought of when I was buying a house. What kind of insurance do I need on my house? Anything that you get all the time. And it's those questions that as much as you love them, you kind of roll your eyes like, oh, if I have to answer that again, those make great episodes. Because what happens then is like for me, and again, I'm not complaining, but people ask me, what's the best microphone to get? 
under a hundred bucks. And I go the Samson Q2U. Uh, but if I had an episode, I could say, Oh, I, I recommend the Samson Q2U. If you want to hear it, here's an episode on that very subject. So they go over and they say, Oh, wow, there's an episode here. The best microphone under a hundred bucks. And then under that, they see one that says, what's the best media hosting company? And then they see another one. And now what happens is you answer all those questions. And I, I have a friend that's in real estate. He said, this is the best thing ever. He goes, because now when they come back, they're educated. He said, all that 101 stuff, you don't have to do anymore. And now they're asking you the the kind of 201 questions. He goes, so I'm getting a better educated customer. And he goes, they now feel like they know me. He goes, so I already have this kind of trust going on. And I'm one of my favorite stories. I had a guy, I have a phone number on my website. And from time to time, I will actually answer that and not let it go to voicemail. And he called me up and I go, I pick it up. I'm like, hey, this is Dave. And he goes, Dave Jackson? And I go, yeah. And he goes, get out of here. And I'm like, no, seriously, it's Dave. And he goes, wow. He goes, well, I just figured I was going to leave a message. He goes, I'm driving from Minnesota to Georgia. He goes, I've been listening to you for about two and a half hours. I just want to let you know that I don't know what I'm going to podcast about, but you're my guy. And I was like, well, that's great to hear, buddy. You know, uh, keep your eyes on the wheel or whatever, you know, stay safe. And I'm here whenever you want it. So you are kind of uh, building that trust in, in by answering those easy questions. That's a great way to do that. And then I've seen other companies that will get the CEO to come on because it's a, when, when do I, I remember Evernote used to have a, a podcast and they would have uh, the, a couple tech guys explaining what new features were coming. And then they would have the CEO come on and they would say, Hey, we have a question from, you know, Susan from Poughkeepsie has this question. And it was like, wow, how often do you get to talk to the CEO of Evernote? So that was a cool little strategy sometimes. And it just made him, Again, now I'm developing a relationship with the CEO of whatever the software is or whatever your company is, and they seem like a, you know, well, that guy, because when you hear CEO, you think of, I don't know, for me, I just think of this, you know, stodgy business, unapproachable, you know, stay away. It's, you know, he's the CEO, and and they just come on like, I'm just a regular person. You know, she's great. So I think those are some things you could do. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, especially, like, I I think of a lot of those CEOs that, already have like a brand personality because mm-hmm. um, a lot of companies you have no idea who the ceo is unless you look it up but then there's other companies i think of like tesla right where elon musk is basically his own celebrity yeah. um and that would be super fascinating because you already kind of have this raving fan base to be able to tap into that through a medium like podcasting would be super super interesting and and if the ceo then starts spouting numbers or graphs or something about the industry and all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know what? She really knows her stuff. Wow. And then you're like, well, I totally trust this company because I know who's driving it. So there's all sorts of different ways uh, that you can just build your brand through your podcast. I always say the, the podcast is not your business. It's your business card. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is it works 24-7. You know, while I'm yeah. sleeping, I got people across the, the planet listening to my show. And another thing, I mean, this is kind of going back to what you talked about before, knowing your audience and knowing your your ideal customer, uh, the Kevin from accounting or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, it makes me think, so I don't know, you probably haven't heard of this podcast in particular, but REI, which is an outdoor sportswear type company, they have a podcast called Wild Ideas Worth Living, and it's not oh. even about sportswear. It's just about the outdoors, right? And so what they've done is they've said, okay, our ideal clients – have these interests. Let's create a podcast about those interests. And then they're creating brand affinity that way. So I think there's a lot of ways that podcasts can be used. 
Yeah, Dell had a um, podcast. It was these awesome stories. Like they had the story of Netflix and how Netflix basically knocked out Blockbuster and all these different things where it was all kind of technology. So nerds were going to be interested in that. And it was all about how these small companies came into, you know, basically disruptors. I think that was the name of the show, disruptors. And it was all these different stories of how different companies had come in and disrupted an industry. And I was like, that was really cool. And it wasn't, you know, they had a little pre-roll thing brought to you by Dell Technologies. And there might have been something in the middle, but I don't even think so because they didn't want to interrupt the story. But I remember it was Dell Technologies that put it on. So they're, if you know who your target audience is, sure, make a podcast that they're going to listen to and then just sprinkle your brand around it. Amazing. Yeah, I think that it's it's just about to blow up. It's the next big thing, right? Going back to the beginning. Sure. Um, yeah. So before we kind of wrap things up here, Dave, is there something related to branding marketing that we haven't touched on that you'd love to to talk about real quick? Uh, I just have one more example of trust is if you're going to have sponsors on your show. Um, mm. I, I had a book come out last year called Profit from Your Podcast. And everyone that I talked about that did sponsors had the same thing. And that was, I have to use the product first. Even though these, quote, aren't endorsements, they're sponsors, and there technically is a difference, but they're all like, no, I don't want to talk about a product unless I can, unless I know it's going to be good. And um, one of the guys I mentioned, is, is his name's Glenn Hebert. He runs the Horse Radio Network. He has like 18 podcasts all about horses. And I just talked to him last week, and I was asking him about it. He goes, I just turned down a big check. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, they really wanted to come on the show. And it just wasn't something that I was like, hey, this is a great fit for my audience. And he said, thank you so much for the opportunity. But uh, no. And I, I said, wow. And he goes, well, you guys got to realize, he said, if somebody buys one product and it's not a good fit and it's not good quality, he goes, the next time they hear a sponsor of mine, he goes, it's completely worthless. And I was like, that's a really good point. Wow. Yeah. And Integrity. I mean, we've done full episodes on that and I'm sure we'll do more, but integrity is so important in business and just doing it's those little things that, that are going to build trust. So yeah, thank you so much for that, Dave. Well, I know that our listeners can find you all over the place. Um, you have the school podcasting podcast. You've got, um, one of my favorite shows actually is the, um, podcast review show where you actually have other hosts on and you talk to them about their podcasts. I learned so much from that. Where else can people find you? Uh, if you want to find all my stuff, my main website, schoolofpodcasting.com, but all my shows are listed at powerofpodcasting.com because I, it's just one of those where I, I, it's a sickness. I just, about if you wait long enough, Dave will start another podcast. So, but uh, a lot of them, like you just mentioned, the podcast review show that was brought on by somebody going, Hey, can you listen to my show and tell me if it's any good? And I used to do that for free. And then it, it takes a long time to do that. So I was like, huh, yeah. what if somebody would pay me for this? And then I have another show called the Podcast Rodeo Show, which is similar, only the the tagline is where I grab a random podcast and see how long I can hang on. And if you've <laughs> ever seen Mystery Science Theater 3000, it's kind of like that for podcasting. I just, I just, whatever I'm thinking comes out of my mouth. And sometimes it's good. And other times I'm like, wow, I'm really bored. This is real. I'm bored right now. So that's, uh, you can find them all at powerofpodcasting.com. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you being on the show. I've learned a lot. And so I'm very excited to be able to to give this show out to the to my listeners so that they can hear it too. Uh, thanks for having me. And this is a blast. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. 
This podcast has been a production of JMH Media. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. The TrustCast podcast team consists of Josh Harmon and Steve Hill. I really couldn't do this without them. Music licensing comes thanks to Epidemic Sound. And if you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.